This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show just for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this bite-sized episode, Jason and Kyle share a practical tip that every e-commerce leader should know. Let's jump in. We've got a fun topic today, everybody. We are um, constantly working with clients on their branding. And uh, so one of the good questions that came up this week um, is, how do you really know whether you should pull the plug on a private label brand? or we should keep going with it in when you're in the testing phase. And so the whole idea of what are the criteria for testing a private label brand? And, um, you know, when do you, when do you get real clarity on, yes, this is working or no, it's not and how to move forward. So Kyle, obviously this is an area of your expertise. You've scaled two brands on Amazon. And, uh, so you've worked through that process and hit, uh, you know, two in a row. And so, you know, this is a challenge for a lot of people. So I thought we'd kick it off as a topic. And uh, so talk to us a little bit about it. You've got criteria. Um, we can brainstorm a few together. We have, you know, conversations we've had previously. We can revisit about criteria. But talk to us about this topic. Tell us what you think. Yeah, for sure. I think it all starts with your criteria, for sure. I mean, if you, it's easy to get lost in the weeds if you don't have a framework in which you operate from. Sure. So at a bare minimum, what you want to have is really like a spreadsheet that you have with your criteria clearly identified so you can start throwing stuff in and quickly begin to evaluate yeah. these products um, as you find them. Right? So before so, we talk about the criteria, I think it's important to just say some first principles, I guess I like to say in Silicon right. Valley, is are important probably. And, and one of the first sure. principles is, and there's a uh, quote, I think is a Chinese proverb that says, before you start any game, know the rules and when you're, when you're quitting or like, what's the, you know, when you're stopping. And I think right. a first principle for this whole topic is if you're going to test something, start with the very, very basic criteria, how long you're going to be willing to test it. Right. What are the basic principles you're going to apply? Like if there's a dollar amount you're going to spend on the testing, and you know when what it um, looks like for you to say i'm starting and i'm stopping and because some of these things can of course go on forever with outstanding questions that you have no way to really decide on and you've got to operate sort of in a, in the mystery of it so i think that's probably the first thing is one sure. of the first things is just have a finite test period exactly so okay. i agree i think you have to set up a test period for it but you also have to be mindful of when you're testing. Okay. Because if, if you start testing a product in Q4, sure. it's not a real test because you're just benefiting from all yeah. of the buyer yeah. uh, craziness that is Q4. Yeah. And you realize maybe the rest of the year that the product doesn't really fly and you're sure. only just benefiting from people wanting to buy and need to buy, need to buy gifts, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. don't test products in Q4. Test them in Q2 or Q3 to prepare for that onslaught okay. so you get a really accurate picture potentially now the caveat to that yeah is if your product is seasonal yeah then you have to be aware of that going into it as well right because so, it, so you actually do need to calendarize your testing to work out obviously you do want to know what would happen in q4 sure. so maybe you do want to test in q4 but then also test it again in the summertime or you know figure out the degree to which seasonality is yeah. involved. I mean, if you're, if it's a winter 
product or a holiday right, product, right. then you'll know that obviously it's like a double layer of seasonality. Sure. Uh, our product line at Pixie Fair is a good example. It's a wintertime sport. Uh, sewing, knitting, crochet. In North America, that's a wintertime activity more than a summertime activity. Yeah. So we have this sort of rolling calendar throughout the year mm -hmm. where it really winds up and then it kind of goes down and then it kind of goes back up. And we've lived that with that for like 11, 12 years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that, that'll be a key factor for it. Okay. So let's talk about the criteria. So sure. um, you've got the list. I, we can go back and forth if you want. I can take a couple and, sure, and sure. mention them as well. So go ahead. Yeah. yeah I think uh, the first one that comes to mind is margin. Okay. Like, optimize for the products that give you the best margin. And that's why putting them in, into uh, your spreadsheet so you can evaluate all of your products okay. pretty quickly is gonna be important. Now, the, the target is definitely, I would say, a 5X and above for margin. Um, I wouldn't go. Okay. I've I heard people say lower than that. Some people I have, have said three. I, sure, I mean, and you, and you yeah. run the risk, right, of whether or not you're gonna be able to source this and deal with all of sort of the, the product uh, variables in that mm -hmm. process. But what people ignore yeah. when they think about margin is they only really evaluate, and here, here's a key takeaway. Here's what, this, is, this, is a, this is a hot tip. When you, when usually when people think about their product, they only are thinking about it in terms of cost of goods. Sure. So how much does the product cost? Okay. What can I sell it for? How much does it cost to get to shipped? And then maybe, maybe if they're really sophisticated, they're thinking about their Amazon costs, right? That's sure. part of that. But what it, what it fails to encapsulate and what you have to plan for is your fixed operational costs, mm -hmm. right? And any additional advertising you need to do for that product. And sure. those should be baked into your, uh, to your uh, calculation, right? Like you, there's a certain percentage that are baked in for operation, fixed operational okay. costs and then your profit. And then also, if you're thinking about this, what are you going to take out of that that's going to be for growth? Yeah. Like to be able to scale for other products and other testing. So all of that gets baked in. So that margin begins to increase significantly when you start to factor in those yeah. components. So, so for and all those reasons, 5X is better. 5X is better or more. I mean, obviously, if you yeah. can get better than that, then congratulations, you, you may have found a winner. Um, but I would start there. And yeah, does it mean that you're going to have far less products to choose from? For yeah. sure. You're going to be much pickier with your process. Right. But that's, that's really kind of the criteria you want to be able to set. You want to be picky yeah. in, in finding the right, the right deal to launch. So you want to obviously have criteria that pre, you want criteria that pre um, screens bad ideas to test on Amazon. Right. And I, th this exactly. list of criteria is almost, some of these are just screening out bad ideas. You don't even bring them to Amazon. So you don't test right. anything that's not 5X, uh, you know, markup. And so that means, just to be clear on the math, if you bought it for a dollar, your minimum retail price, what you'd want to have is $5. Although we're going to talk about pricing in a minute, but just yeah. in terms of the margin markup, 5X, that's sort of the base math, right? Sure. Um, so, but let's talk, so criteria number two actually two. is a price point related criteria. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, one of the things you discover on Amazon, if you're testing, we're assuming you're testing on Amazon, um, is that Amazon fees are expensive yeah. and they really do impact you significantly. And so at the pure math level, one of the things you want to really think about is, do you even want to have a product that has a price point, a, a average retail price below like $20? And I would say the consensus is no, you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Because on Amazon, the expense structure destroys your margin 
the lower down you go. Um, you know, right. my average item I sell on our Shopify site is like, you know, through, we have items from $3.99 to, um, you know, like $12 if for most of our catalog is like mm -hmm. that pricing. Um, I can do that on Shopify, but you know, if I, right. but because the only thing I'm incurring is transaction fees. So PayPal fees or Stripe fees. Um, so, but on Amazon, you've got other fees baked in. And so you really want to think about a price point being north of 20 bucks at least so that the cost of the sales and transactions doesn't eat up all your profit. Does that yeah, sound right? For sure. Yeah. Okay. You, you have to be definitely mindful of that. And the higher, well, and the higher your price point is too, the more actual cash, like right. your margin might be if you buy something for five cents, and you sell it for 25 cents, Ooh, yeah. my margin's great. But guess what? You're gonna have to sell a lot of that item in order to generate actual cash. Sure. So if you take that from going to a, from a $5 sale, right? Because, and even if you source it for 10 cents, right? Yeah. And you take that to a 50 or $60 sale, the margins might get compressed. You might not yeah. get as good as margins, but the actual profitability and dollar amount that you're generating is significantly higher. Sure. Okay, cool. All right, let's rattle through a few more um, and, yep. and uh, we'll go through uh, these a bit more quickly, but um, sure. what's, what's next on your list? Um, having a minimum order quantity that is doable. Okay. <laughs> Meaning, sure. so when you, any time you go to test a, a product that you're having branded and, and built, the supplier is going to ask you for a, a minimum order quantity. Now, yeah. the nice thing is, is that's always negotiable. So never take like the very first minimum order quantity because that's always the very first basic thing that they're going to do. Right. So uh, definitely do that. Another hack for you to be able to, to kind of test with this is you can actually test with it without it being branded to your, to your brand, right? The private label, just use their house generic brand for a small order quantity if if it, because if Samples. They're, they're, yeah. yeah, they're charging you more probably to do your own private label to boot the branding. So if you can get a, a sample of like a couple hundred that yeah. are just their house brand that you can just test product viability on, Yep. You can do that for a much cheaper price point and not have the risk also of impacting your brand because if you're testing a product and it's terrible, you don't want that to be associated with your brand for the long term. So that's one way you get around it. But having a low minimum order quantity is a way you can test your way into it um, without spending a lot of capital up front. Yep. Okay. I love that one. Um, another one that follows on to that idea is you want to have products that you can easily get resupplied on. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if you're sourcing products that have a killer margin, but you have to ship them in a insanely slow cycle of, you know, resupply, then, uh, you know, you really can be, um, caught in problems, uh, on, on the Amazon side for sure. Um, and you know, that means you, if you go, if you run out of stock, then your, your BSRs, you know, tank, uh, associated with the keyword you're trying to go for. So for those reasons, uh, having a product that you can easily get resupplied in a week or two, a couple weeks is really ideal. If it's months, then you've really got to think it through. Um, and, and it might be something you say, no, not so much um, yeah. in terms of the test. So that's, that's uh, I think that's our fourth criteria. What, what else you got on your list? Um, I would be looking at, and this is sort of a bigger picture of the, of the market in which you're in. I prefer markets that have some increasing demand. You can ride okay. the wave in as opposed to a declining market. Okay. Now it, it's not the end all be all. I, I mean, I, I would, so in essence, when you're building your criteria, you're going to weight certain things above 
Fidget other spinners. things, right? Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's a declining market. Not DVD. a good idea. <laughs> or highly saturated, right? Like if it's right. extremely highly saturated or it's going to be hard for you to compete in, then that's yeah. going to be a market that I'm going to deprioritize or that product and now, put it see, lower on my list. See, I think you, you and I have contrary. You want the wind at your back and a growing energetic market. I think for me, I would almost take the counter argument and say, I'd rather go to the sleepy markets that have no competitors that know what they're doing, that don't sure. have any energy in the market, <laughs> that still have some demand well, that you right. can more easily control. So that's sort of the yeah. yin and the yang of the uh, I agree. I agree. I think there's a distinction that can be made between a mature market and a declining market, though, too. True. Like a declining market would be fidget spinners. Like it was, a, it was right. a, you're riding a wave of some, yeah. you know, fad where yeah. a mature market, you just, it's just there. Like there's some yeah. stable and that, that would be a valid market to be in for sure. Right. Yeah. I just, you got to make sure, you know, I, my biggest point from this is understand the context in which you're trying to sell the product. Yeah. Like you it. want, you want to be able to understand where demand's coming from, what's driving that, um, which leads to another uh, point yeah uh i'm happy to tee that one up uh which is I, I mean i think in general all things being equal kyle and i both prefer products that customers are going to buy frequently yep and so that means you know replenishable consumable mm -hmm. um you know if you sell somebody a wedding ring you know you even if they're your best friend you're only going to sell them maybe a couple in their lifetime um but if you sell somebody, you know, eggs and milk and, you know, vegetables, then, you know, you're going to be selling them a lot of that stuff. So that spectrum of frequency of purchase, I think is something to really think about. Um, you know, you've in your brand building experience had a consumable mm -hmm. in essence through the art product, the journal. Yeah. Actually sketchbook. And then the bearings though, I would say is probably a lot less frequently consumed you'd be surprised wrong, but yeah okay. no i mean it's less potentially yeah for sure but i mean how depending so on how consumed. hard someone rides um yeah. you know they, they can go through uh three or four sets a year if they're okay. really passionate about it yeah i mean yeah. Okay. It definitely definitely comes down to how hard they're riding yeah so that that spectrum you really want to think it through and ask yourself the question am i satisfying this person's demand up for this product forever mm -hmm. And yeah. if you are, it's probably a bad idea because they just will never bond with you. Yeah. You'll never build a brand out of it that they'll want to come back. You'll never build a Shopify site out of that type of approach. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something to think through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What else? What else is on your list? Anything else at the top of mind? Um, yeah. There was one more in terms of understanding sort of your marketplace and where you fit in context is I would avoid products in categories where there's an apex brand that owns it. And yes. one, of, one of the quick ways yeah. in which you can determine that is if you look at your product and you can immediately within three seconds think of a brand that's selling that exact same product, I would be leery of launching that. Because they own Mindshare. Right. And you really have to ask the question, can you break into that? Now, Maybe the answer is yes, but it will be a harder slog than if there's a, a niche or industry where there's a lot of mm, sort of unknowns mm -hmm. um, and there's no apex predator out there um, just that you have to, you have to go head to head against. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Totally. I, I think it's smarter to find spaces where there's demand, 
and yeah. no one has said, I want to be the provider for all these clients right. or customers that really have this issue and I'm going to own it. I'm going to build an amazing brand, amazing website, amazing service to really treat them special. Yeah. Um, sure. That I think is a huge opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this would be the uh, obvious absurd point, but if someone came to me and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to launch this brand new uh, smartphone company. What do you think? I'd be like, uh, Apple, have you ever heard of this company? Like you're going to compete, be competing against something that immediately has around Samsung. Another, yeah. I mean, so that sort of exercise is helpful. Yep. For sure. Dude, this is like a masterclass in one tip of the week video. So. I know. Like we, we went deep, probably like mind blowingly deep. We, we went a little too much, but, but really this is, there's a lot of content here. In fact, there there's is. other criteria that we have not talked about. We have not. It's on. Yeah. Um, but sure. anyway, yeah. And if you like this content, let us know so that we can actually go deeper in this in additional trainings and stuff as well. No doubt. And then obviously, if you're not a part of our inner circle, or if you haven't looked into our one-on-one -on -one coaching, Kyle and I work with clients every day of the week on these types of topics and mm -hmm. geek out over the details on uh, branding and traffic strategies, that kind of thing. So we love working with one-on-one -on -one clients. If that's of interest to you, We'd yep. love to have you check it out. You can find more about it on winningonshopify.com. Mm -hmm. And um, we would, uh, there's an application process, so it's not for everybody. And uh, so you fill out the application and then we have a 30 minute conversation with you to see if it's a good fit. And we explain sure. the details. So that's um, sort of the process on that. So awesome stuff, man. Great time. And uh, thank you again for hanging out. And uh, we'll see you next time. Definitely. Have a good one. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the e-commerce leader. Hey, don't forget to subscribe because when you do, you'll get notified. And next time you log into your podcast player, you'll see our latest episode nestling at the top of your lists. Thanks again for listening.